to get around the non-fungible campfire, it is time for the BitMart Brain Trust. As always, I'm your host for some reason, Matt Ryan, and joined by the lovely and talented Nathan Simone. Kalichi eBay is off this week um, because of things that are actually important, not just talking with us on the internet. But we do have an important person joining us, a guest from NFT 101 that has come on over to the Brain Trust. We have Jessica Brodkin on the program today. Hi, Jessica. Welcome back to BitMart. Hey, yo, Jessica. Unfortunately, Kalichi eBay is not here with us because I know that he would want to talk about not only an NFT project, but a lady NFT project, the second lady to ever brave the Brain Trust, Matt. Yes. And it's it's not for any other reason than the fact of just like I me as a person. But uh, Jessica, great to have you back on uh, to talk about your project. Uh, it, just for clarity's sake, I am a neophyte when it comes to NFTs. So I, I make what the talk speak good, which is why I'm here. Also, the hair. It's, it's a long story. But great hair. Thank Amazing. you. Thank you. Question. Thank you. I try. I try. I fail consistently, but I try. Uh, Nathan here is the true expert. Him and Kalichi are in the weeds, deep, 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 deep into the NFT circles. And when it comes to some of the questions I asked, we're going to get a layer deep. We're going to get a little bit deeper here. Nathan, you listened to the podcast with me and Jessica the first time. You can do the same thing, too, and you can watch the video, too. If you're watching it on YouTube, you can just hit the pause button here, open a new tab, find that video. Like, comment, subscribe, all that other razzmatazz. But Nathan, what are some of the questions you had for Jessica that we didn't get a chance to go over in our first conversation? Yeah, so, you know, Jessica, we definitely need to re-intro the Mystical Muses project here real briefly. Like Matt said, there is a full kind of main overview that you've done with Matt. But real quickly, you know, I go to mysticalmuses.io. I see all these interesting NFTs of badass ladies. They feature tarot cards, uh, planets. Um, it looks like snakes, uh, just all sorts of, well, mystical muses. Can you briefly intro this project? And then can I get into some deeper questions that I had as an NFT lover about stuff that Matt didn't get to ask you, um, in his interview with you? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, So briefly intro the project, the project was born out of bringing wild, the wild woman archetype into a generative project. And we wanted to sort of have, yeah, the, like this book, um, women who run with the wolves, like that kind of energy and to bring various mystical elements, uh, Medusa, um, wild tongues that are crazy. And we have some of them that have like an upside down man hanging upside down. That's my favorite element. Probably um, I had to fight my partner on, on to have that one made. <laughs> um, but the whole idea is um, I, there's a whole lore behind it about these mystical alien women saving our planet. Our planet is, you know, as you know, uh, not doing amazing um both in a lot of ways but kind of boned kind of boned across the board on that when it comes to the planet right now yeah 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 it's not just climate change but although this was about climate change and so we wanted a carbon negative collection we wanted to do something that was interesting i created a whole lore about these mystical muses saving the planet and healing the planet and um that's sort of that was the inspiration behind it was to create something like that 
I'm interested real quick if you want to touch on the lore, because that's something that I'm not like a fantasy fiction fan. Yeah. I've never played like Magic the Gathering, but I actually really like that when you get into these NFT projects that people dismiss and they're like, oh, they're just art. Well, anything's just art if you look at it like that. But mm -hmm. the meaning and significance behind art, the, the worlds that people have created. I mean, you know, for God's sakes, The Lord of the Rings is just a book, but it's like there's this lore and this world and this sort of stuff behind it. And so I see here on mysticalmuses.io, like two paragraphs about it. But I'd love to know, like, like your explanation of the lore, like tell it to as somebody who created it and who's obviously a fan, like right. tell us, tell us what it is. And I don't care how silly it may sound to other people. The idea of the lore were that there, there were these um, there was a planet where that was mostly like a female planet and the the women there were sort of like supernatural beings. They were like humanoid, but like had all sorts of unusual powers. And that they, the I, the original lore, I don't even know what's on the website anymore because we built it a while ago, but the original lore and my business partner's not here to correct me or yell at me. So I'm going to say whatever I want. Um, he's probably not going to even watch this. Anyway, I do love him, but um, I'm the mouthpiece. So I'm going to say what I want. And, <laughs> and I respect and, it. I respect, <laughs> I respect the like mafia boss energy. <laughs> while I while I drink Pellegrino out of the bottle. Yeah, chug some of that Italian Pellegrino. Huh? <laughs> it's my Brooklyn accent. Um, but um, the whole idea is that there is this, that this planet of sort of like these alien humanoid females were affected by all the weird bad vibes that are going on on Earth. And so they decided that they were going to um, travel to Earth and sort of like merge with the people and heal the people and make sure that they feel better and then save the planet because the people can't save the planet if they're suffering. Sure. Because if, if you're busy, like trying to pay your rent, I mean, not that if you're busy, like being miserable or really, really unhappy, you can't really help other people and you can't really help the planet. So these, these muses would come down to earth and be helpers. They needed to help people and then they needed to heal people and then they needed to heal the planet. That was like their mission. Yeah. And it makes sense to me. It's kind of like, it's a cross between one thing that you brought up where it's like, you can't help anybody else unless, you know, you help yourself and you focus on yourself first and you're right to go out into the world. And then two, this is almost kind of like a, um, is it fair to say it's like Amazonian legend, like the legend of the Amazon women that are very strong and like, they can, you know, they have their, I think that's actually the lore I'm trying to get. It's either Greek or Roman where they have their own inhabitants it's not a planet yeah. in this case it's an yeah. island but that's kind of what i'm getting from it is like it's all about powerful badass women um with all sorts of these mystical kind of energies and functions uh, especially uh, adorning them on the nfts and I, I have some questions about the stuff in the nfts oh i i, I can answer about. your questions but generally generally yes and the other thing that's interesting about the badass women so one of the these women, there are two types of helmets, and I don't know if you've seen that, but one of the helmets is a Scythian helmet from the Scythian people, and they're actually a nomadic Iranian tribe of women warriors. And I created this, we created this a long time ago, and I'm part Iranian, I'm part Persian, and you're like, oh, that makes sense, looking at your face. Is that what you're saying? Okay. <laughs> or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or the vibe. Or something. The, yeah. the 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 powerful Egyptian warriors is is a strong vibe with you. I'll I'll, I'll say that. I'll take uh, that vibe. That vibe is present and it is strong. 
Oh, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. So I wanted, so I wanted the helmets to be like the Cynthian helmets. And I don't want to know if ironically, interestingly enough, of course, like eight months later after, or after we like did the design, Iran is literally at war at revolution being run by women. The Gen Z women are literally walking into being mass murdered to free Iran. And so it's crazy that like, you're talking about like these Amazonian women and now we have, you know, uh, arts that is from Iran caucuses in Ukraine. So all of that region from this tribe that is in all of this war torn area at this moment. And at this moment, even though I took this piece of history and was like, let me put my own, um, I wanted to put more of my and my business partner's ethnicity into our art. So we were like, oh, let's not culturally appropriate. We know let's not like piss people off and hurt people's feelings. Um, although some of our, our art did come out to look like um, um, Hindu goddesses by accident. So I think that that energy just came through and it was not meant to be there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so uh, I don't know. Did I answer your question? I guess so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I went deeper. I went deeper. I was like, listen, there's this history of, of these Iranian warriors in Ukraine and we're in the Caucasus in Ukraine. And this is all of my heritage. Right. And then and then now they're literally at war. And it was just. Yeah. And it's I mean, Iran is an interesting place because uh, my cousin, actually, his wife uh, is Iranian. So I would get to talk to her about it. And Iran has a fascinating history. Not that we're going to get into that about like in the 70s. You can look at photos and videos from Iran in the 70s, and it looks more liberal than New York City. It's kind of crazy. It's, 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 a, it's a fascinating place. That's not what we're going to talk about here today. But the theme of badass women of you've brought up in Iran. I was make I was thinking also of um, women in the Israeli army and then specifically in uh, Rojava, which I can never remember where Rojava is, but you definitely have these pockets of history and of uh, women throughout history specifically that not only take up arms and are like truly badass, like crazier than the men, but are just, it's like an interesting dichotomy that you don't see. And I know that your NFT collection is not focused on violence or war or anything like that. It's, it's kind of more the opposite of that, but the spirit, the actual, the energizing spirit uh, is absolutely kind of, still there. You, uh, you know, what I love is that you picked up the sort of energetics of what was put in there. Sure, and we're gonna we're gonna have and, a lot to talk story, about. And the story, and the story of what was it in there, and why it's in there. You really like pick that up, because I don't think most people really see it. Well, and it's because, and I know Matt had a question. It's because I notice in the NFT space, because I'm a big Cardano uh, advocate, yeah. which I'd love to talk to you about, uh, specifically as a lady NFT creator. There's a lot of weird. Um, in a good way, weird and wild women in the Cardano space that make these sorts of NFTs. So I guess I'm kind of more used to it. Whereas I forget that a lot of the NFT space, especially in Ethereum, it's kind of like the, it's like the majority of crypto and web three. Uh, it's, it's mostly dudes. And I mean, that's, that's just the tech world in general. And yeah. so I'm always kind of looking towards the really, really interesting sort of uh, like I don't want to say fringe, but the more interesting projects in the space and Cardano has done a really, really good job of. Um, Maybe I need to move to Cardano for my next work. You know, well, we're, we're going to, we're definitely going to talk about that later. I, I have two blockchain recommendations for you because you're um, you have the carbon credits thing and 
you're interested in being carbon neutral and all that. I, I mean, sorry, people, Ethereum, (laughs) Ethereum. No, no, no. I did not want to be on Ethereum. This was a compromise for me. So you're not the first person to say that. This totally makes sense. I'm in agreement with you. I didn't want to be on ETH. Um, but I had to compromise because I'm working with a group of people. So sure, sure. That's that's the truth. Like I don't want to like, you know, be cunty, but I don't want to be on ETH. <laughs> well, it, it's it's not, I mean, and once again, we don't have to dive off on this tangent, but it's not because uh, now Ethereum is proof of stake, right? So right, the energy so usage is going better. down 99.9%. Right. But um, like just moving forward into the future, you've got a blockchain like Algorand, which is built to be carbon neutral. And I think it's going to become carbon negative, which yeah, it's not as popular for NFTs as Ethereum is. And then, I mean, this is like the recurring joke on this show. And every time I'm talking with Matt and Kalichi, because Kalichi turned me on to Cardano, uh, people are just sleeping on Cardano, especially Cardano NFTs, but People, yeah. it's a top, it's a top ten coin. It's been proof of stake since they invented it. They've got a proprietary proof of stake, and their NFT space is just wild. Like it's not only is it a time to get in as an investor, it's a time to get in as a creator and as a person who wants to meet interesting people. There's actually a Cardano conference happening this weekend in Colorado that unfortunately I cannot go to, but I'm just especially specifically for you as a lady NFT creator who likes this wild and is making these wild NFTs. I just, I fail to see how you wouldn't uh, fit right in on Cardano. So that's definitely something I want you to think about. I am thinking about it. I am putting it in the brain computer. (laughs) And, and my question to you is, and forgive me for not knowing this, uh, Mm -hmm. because a lot of, a lot of chains coming out are carbon neutral, and talk about carbon uh, negativity, uh, being carbon negative in the future. My question is what makes them carbon negative? And my assumption was that they buy carbon credits. And I wanted to know, is that the case? And that, is that what's going on besides being proof of stake? How did, how are they, how are they actually doing it? So that is an excellent question. Because nobody um, talks about it. Mm-hmm. Algorand. Like, We're carbon negative. I'm like, why should I believe you? Algorand, um, I believe, so Algorand, I would know more about than uh, Cardano because Cardano is slightly newer than Algorand, but it's developing along the same processes. Um, Algorand, I know because of its unique, they both have unique proof of stake mechanisms. And because they were specifically designed by people in cryptography, uh, research and computer science, they were made energy efficient from the beginning. My understanding with Algorand is that Algorand is either purchasing carbon credits or it is um, it has like its own renewable energy sites that it is building because it's part of a foundation. And I want to say that Cardano is going the same way, but that's a good question. I, I haven't... Um, I haven't gotten into the weeds with that because I, I, I want to go in the weeds with that because mm-hmm. that's what everybody's all these, there's so many chains, there are new chains coming out all the time. There are too many chains. We don't know who's going to left as a creator. There's also the question of like, who's going to be left standing. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a really big thing because I can make my collection multi-chain or I can be a multi-chain artist. But the question is like, okay, um, I don't know if I should like call out people, but there's some chains that are like, we have uh, grants and we have this. And I'm like, yeah, is my, are you going to be around? Yeah. And, and that, um, that's, a, that's a legitimate concern with a lot of new chains. Um, 
Algorand and Cardano have been around for, oh gosh, five plus years now. So I wouldn't worry too much about that, but you are completely correct with that. You know what? With, with, with some of the newer chains to try and compete with Ethereum. Yeah, I you, and sorry to cut you off, Nathan, but uh, ruminating on this, and this is a great conversation, even I, who knows jack shit fuck all, uh, actually know, you know, is really engaged in this conversation. But when you talk about all these new chains coming on, all of these new yeah. platforms, it starts to feel like the early days of web 1.0 or what we net, what or the- 100%. And it's basically like, a lot of these chains feel like search engine sites. A lot of these chains feel like browsers because I can remember using Alta Vista, Microsoft, you know, like, and then Explorer became yeah. the thing and then Firefox. And now it's all about Chrome, Safari, maybe even Opera. I don't know anybody who uses Opera anymore. I don't even know if it's still around, but you, you get these things to where there's so many options. There's this glut of options and then the market or whatever, you know, dictates the pace of the market, whoever has the most money, whoever has the most access, who has the best ability to lobby, whether it's an audience, politicians, what have you, were able to survive and thrive. Google had the best strategy. Google had the best. It's, it's the Coca-Cola test. Here's another issue. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Another issue you, you are 100% correct. It is early days of Web 1, and it's also um, early days of cars, right? Yeah. Before there were like a million car companies. Here's the other problem specifically that I think is Web 3. Web 3 is a hype machine. We are a Twitter and hype machine. So because of the distraction of hype, um, sometimes like maybe a better blockchain, maybe Cardano is a better blockchain, doesn't get the love that a newer blockchain does because of hype and all sorts of other bullshit. And then like, why are VCs funding so many blockchains all the time? I think, oh, yeah. it's, I think it's a trend time. thing more than anything. And that's the thing, it, it, trend, hype. What's well, the reality when the hype dies down? So I've got these I, things anyway. I totally agree with you there, Jessica. And there's an interesting media dichotomy here where if you know your crypto history, um, when ETH finally did the merge yeah. and, and went to proof of stake, and reduced their uh, their carbon footprint and their energy usage by like 99%. Uh, it was celebrated. And they're like, ETH finally completes the merge. It's amazing. You know, victory in the streets, blah, blah, blah. And it had taken them five plus years to do that. After continually delaying, couldn't do it, did it, but it was celebrated. People loved it, perhaps because it's the second biggest chain. Meanwhile, Cardano did it. Um, they were delayed by three months, not five years, because they had to go back to the drawing board and re-architect some stuff. And all you see on the media is, I can't believe Cardano took three months to do this. Is this chain going to be around? Is this, this, you know, that and the other? So there's people that play favorites in this space. Um, there's a lot of unnecessary VC funding, in my opinion, um, that's just all going to go away. Yeah, that's why I actually really, really like this bear market, because this bear market is going to be either the next one. It's going to be the one where the next bull market is going to be the start of mass adoption, or it's going to be the bull market after that. That's mass adoption. Having been in since 2017, I've seen this before. And each time that it blows up and comes back, you have the true people that actually know what they're doing. The actual foundational technologies that know what they're doing. 
and it will come back as just simple things like apps come onto smartphones and it gets easier to use Coinbase and people even know what an NFT was, you know, is, right? Two years ago, nobody even knew what an NFT was. Now we're talking to you about how you've got an NFT project focused on badass and uh, Amazonian women and we're getting into the nuances of why are you on ETH? Why aren't you on something else? But like, we wouldn't even, nobody would even know what we're talking about two years ago. So that's how quickly things move, both in the correct and wrong direction. Yeah. And then there will be more options like MoonPay, where people can use credit cards or whatever, or um, NFT pay and all of these other things, because there are people who wanted to buy my NFT, a lot of them who were like, I am new to crypto and this is really hard. If they could have just plugged in and we tried to do this, but we just like couldn't get it in on time on our launch. Um, you know, it was a whole thing. To it, it was just like really not trivial. To quote the great movie. Buy. Oops, sorry. Sorry. Keep running into each other like into train doors. Uh <laughs> <laughs> to quote the great movie C before the revolution must be marketed. And one of the things that these chains that have gotten kickstarts, and I think the thing that Ethereum over Cardano is that Ethereum is the second biggest chain. As you said, they've been able to get the most adopters. They were able to get out in front of a lot of these things. And when you have good marketing, when you have the ability to say, Hey, we can't do this because we have so many people on the chain. We have to do that. Like there's ways to, as we like to say, carny the shit out of it to make it work for you. And I'm not saying they did that, but there's opportunities to do that when you are the second or the market leader. One thing, Nathan, I wanted to bring up and Jessica, I want your thoughts on this too, is the merging of blockchains, not the ETH merge, but as we see in, in American media right now, major merges going on like warner media and discovery going back to aol time warner that the the peak of the bubble bursting was the aol time warner merger in the late 2000 in the early 2000s and then about a decade later when aol merged with huffington post these things precipitated major economic downturns in in on the internet community one was the end of Web 1.0. The other one was kind of the fracture point of Web 2.0. Do you see this happening at some point where a major tech conglomerate like a meta, like an alphabet, or even something out wild that like a, a unlikeliest of scenarios is Warren Buffett or Bill Gates being able to, or even a Microsoft merging with a top blockchain to control that technology or to take over the proprietary parts of those technologies to democratize them and essentially speed run the crypto and NFT space? That is a gigantic question, Matt. Yeah. I'm, so uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I like to think big. Well, um, that can't ever happen with Bitcoin because nobody controls Bitcoin. That is true. Um, this is more of an Ethereum, Algorand, what have you question. I mean, honestly, and if people think that I hate Ethereum, I don't. I just have a lot of legitimate criticisms of Ethereum. And I oh, think that, um, I mean, I, I fail also to see how it's not going to be regulated as a security. It's like they clearly yeah. have a charismatic leader. It's Vitalik Buterin. I don't hate Vitalik Buterin. I like him. I think he's a nice guy. Um, saying the word charismatic leader though, is such a double-edged sword because it oh, can yeah. mean Barack Obama, John F. Kennedy, David Koresh. Like when you say charismatic leader, <laughs> just, I mean, what? I just keep seeing videos of Vitalik 
in like a sombrero and, oh, yeah. and like some other silly shit. Like his charisma. I mean, my friends in Silicon Valley are like, oh, this is normal Silicon Valley behavior. Is it? All right. And well, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, you're so you're both correct because one person's one person's charismatic leader is another person's cult leader and then one person's charisma is another person's social awkwardness mm. right so it's but for the crypto space and for the technology space <laughs> for the crypto Sorry. space and for the technology space you know if you want to if you want to hear i guess what i mean by charismatic leader is like you go to like the lex friedman podcast or something like that and you listen to Philip Beer and talk for 3 hours i fail to see how you come away from that podcast or hearing him speak and not think, oh my gosh, like the man is like a young Einstein and we're just lucky that he tolerates us. Um, but yeah, and sometimes when he speaks, he's okay. But I totally agree with you, Jessica. I mean, there's so many pictures and videos online to where you're like, if Vitalik Buterin didn't come up with Ethereum, um, I don't know. He would be... <laughs> Honestly, I appreciate I seeing a leader in like a dinosaur costume at, sure. like, at like a DevCon or whatever he, I mean, it wasn't DevCon, but something like that, you know, that's well, the type of person he would be like, it's ETH Denver. And I'm just going to, he's just going to stand there. I appreciate yeah. the willingness to get silly, but I don't think we answered Matt's question. Well, that, it, uh, it I'm, did I'm, give I'm, me an idea though. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to show I'm, up to conferences from now on in mascot regalia. I think and that'll work. I, I think it, I, I already look like Gritty's cousin, so I've got that working for me. So if I apply that same metric, if I just turn myself into a mascot, I'm probably going to go Andy Kaufman levels of crazy, but I have an right. Andy Kaufman Santeria candle above my desk here in the studio. So I'm, I'm ready for whatever that looks like. I, I am ready to embrace my destiny. But Nathan, you had something to say before I started rambling incoherently about Andy Kaufman. Well, Matt, I'm going to answer your ETH question, but I, you brought up something great. I think that you could actually do both. I think that if you get yourself a nice three-piece fitted suit and an amazing dinosaur costume, you could actually change outfits during the middle of the conference and do an entirely different shtick, and nobody would even know. You could really have the best of both worlds. You could pose as a VC and get major people to fund you and then also just goof off and eat hot dogs. So you, so you want me to pull a music man? In real life, you want me to put. Yes. You want me to ostensibly sell band uniform. Do you know I want how you to do long? It. I just want you to live your dreams, Matt. That's all that I want. How to do. long I've been waiting for someone to say, Matt, run a carny scam on somebody. I believe in you. Here's a dinosaur costume. This is why people don't like crypto. There's <laughs> a lot of money in crypto, <laughs> man. Come on. <laughs> this is literally why people think this is a scam and bullshit. If you can, if you can I'm take just, a joke, I'm just calling oh. it. I'm not saying no. I'm just. No worries. We we like to joke on this show. To answer what your the, question, what if the dinosaur had a top hat though? Does that make it better? Does that make it better I, if there's a dinosaur in a top hat? I personally think it does, but you're kind of asking a biased audience here. To answer your question, finally, Matt. Um, unfortunately, with the ETH merge, because you have all these proof of stake validators and you have to have this enormous amount of ETH, 32 ETH to even be a validator, you're seeing the majority of people that are actual, like the network validators being essentially centralized exchanges, Binance, Coinbase, all these guys. So like in a weird way, ETH actually, although it has lowered the energy costs, it's kind of almost de facto become like an oligarchical system 
uh, because oh, you just simply God. have these requirements of you have to have these massive amount of ETH to be a validator. Without validators, the proof of stake network doesn't run. They haven't scaled it up yet. They haven't lowered transaction fees. So in my personal opinion, as of right now, ETH is kind of an oligarchy. So wait, hold on. Did Ethereum bring back the feudal system? (laughs) Not technically, but the way that their network is up and running, if you understand it, 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 I mean, without centralized exchanges, it would be hard to, it would be hard to keep it going. So this, this seems like an apocryphal tale. (laughs) If you wanted Microsoft or Facebook or whoever, if they just bought up a whole bunch of ETH and had enough validator nodes, they couldn't control the network. Don't give them ideas, please. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, stop. This should not be podcast. This should be inside voice talking. It's, 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 it's still decentralized. There's still a lot of people in ETH that don't like this, but I'm just saying when they're in this transition stage, that's main, that's people's main concerns. So could it happen? Yes. Do I think it will happen? Probably not. It's just, it's, you know, there's, it's not in the spirit of crypto still, uh, even with how commercialized it's become. So yeah, it's, and they're trying to, transition away from that and if they really wanted to right like let's say it became too decentral or too centralized uh vitalik buterin could just hire another team of developers they could do something it's not all hope is not lost or he could create a new chain which surpasses eth people don't even want to think about that the, the other thing about eth the reason why i think it's so popular is because how um how much it's grown in value mm-hmm. And so we have to think about not just, oh, this is more popular because of, I mean, I know I brought up hype, more popular because of hype. This is more popular. This is this, this is that. But the truth is like people want their money to grow and they trust ETH for that. And and ETH has delivered even in, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. That's yeah. why I say, so I don't, I don't hate ETH. With it. That's why they're with it. ETH invented smart contracts and ETH invented NFTs. That's why right. never, never a mistake that I hate ETH. I just have, I just always find it interesting when you have a legitimate criticism of something and somebody won't respond to it. You can just kind of tell like, Hey, stop being a little bit closed off that we can improve this a little bit better. Um, So you're saying that there's tribalism in every aspect of society. My, my senior thesis at NYU has finally been proven. Thank you. I can retire now. Yeah, I thought the Rocky that theme thesis? that I went to. <laughs> your thesis was tribalism? My, my thesis was uh, essentially how sports is an adjunct for religion, and one of my running theses right now is that sports and crypto merge, and it's a part of something that makes someone feel bigger than themselves and give them a bit of a cultural and social identity in the same way that being culturally religious gives them someone an identity. Wow, Amazing. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You know, Jessica, to answer your question about Algorand, because I was so curious, I looked it up. Um, Algorand has a unique consensus mechanism that's not just proof of stake, it's called pure proof of stake that they designed from the beginning, where they emit uh, six zeros after the zero decimal point for kilograms of CO2 per year, which means that the yearly energy needs of Algorand are that of seven households. And then they purchase carbon credits on top of that to become carbon negative. Uh, And Cardano seems to be doing the same thing, although Cardano has a proof of stake mechanism called Ouroboros that they also designed. So that it's a combination of carbon credits and they have actually gone beyond proof of stake. 
So they're serving that uncut raw. I I respect (laughs) just just to answer your question because I was super curious and I I had to look it up. No, this is great. But getting back to mystical muses, which is what we're here to talk about. Wow, we went deep in the weeds, people, which I'm totally fine with. But like we uh, really on a tangent. We'll we'll maybe appreciate this because (laughs) the people who are not are going to be like, "What the fuck are they talking about?" They're like, "Oh gosh." It's like um, watching physicists talk about like quarks. Yeah. I'm like, quarks. Let's talk about dark matter. Um, yeah. So what I see here with the Mystical Muses project is that there are 7,777 um, uh, NFTs. It seems like the number seven is significant here. Could you explain that? Sure. Um, we wanted... Um, so... There is like a lot of new agers really like uh, repeating numbers. And I, um, my business partner and I really love the number seven. We thought about every type. We went through all of them and we decided that seven was the one that was our favorite and that seven was a lucky number. And, and we decided that we wanted whatever the cost to be, to be the same as, um, as the, the size of the collection. We wanted repeating numbers. Um, so seven, seven means like, there's a thing called angel numbers. I don't know if I believe in it anymore, but I used to, and there's a thing that like certain numbers, like mean certain things so that there was some sort of code translation, angel numbers. And so seven repeating sevens, um, are angel numbers. I don't know. Does that answer your question? I guess so. I mean, there's lots of people that think that seven is a lucky number, obviously, Say what? So many people. I know. Well, that's what I'm about to say is that it's even in the secular cultural mindset. If you just look at the lottery, right? The lottery, which is just a money money making scheme for the state, they're always doing lucky seven. So it's like, regardless of it's your personal thing, it's it's out there as like, oh, lucky sevens. You know, it's in movies, it's in music, it's in things like that. So that's why I wondered it. Um, Seven days a week. Um, I don't know. That is seven days of the week. I've never thought about that. That is true. And how so each and so each NFT is 0. 0.07 ETH, um, yeah. which, is, which is much better than seven ETH. Uh, better, it, better, better for the audience, not better for me. But yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> well, you were talking about making concessions earlier, so you know, yes. just trying to trying to yes. keep keep everything in front of the other. It's okay. You could uh, you could go to uh, once again. You go to Cardano, make it seventy seven ADA, and it would be a little bit lower. But you'd be stacking that Cardano, you know, maybe for the future. So, um, another part of mystical muses that you kind of went over with Matt, but I also want to go over a little bit more is it is a utility NFT, and yeah. by by that I mean when you hold this NFT, yes, I'm not sure if you have staking rewards or anything like that, but you've got something better than staking rewards you have actually got when you hold this nft it is your ticket to all sorts of events and in-person stuff which i think is even still early in the crypto space i think it's too early but it's not it's a it's a good idea because so much of crypto we kind of you know we went over about like oh this is why people think crypto is a scam this is why people don't like crypto well it, it is kind of hard to trust people, places, and things when it's only digital, right? There is this in-person component that we want. We're real people. If we yeah. 
are, if we find somebody that has similar opinions or values to us, or maybe they're just different and we want to learn, it's so beneficial to actually meet them in person and be like, this isn't just a random person on a computer screen or a screen name or an avatar. It's a real thing and they really do this. And so I want to talk about the online events and the real events yeah. that you're going to be holding for people that have mystical muses NFTs. So um, first I want to say vibes and pheromones. All right. I go by, I, I live by vibes and pheromones. Um <laughs> I, and, I, I, uh, that's a, that is a great R&B album, Hip Pocket. <laughs> <laughs> that that right there is basically, if we were in 1994, just drop a slow baseline behind it. You know, a couple of uh, gel filters. I make love to you. Yeah. Like you want me to. Get some get get some Peebo Bryson shit out there. I feel like that could also be like an NFT project that has like a uh, bath and body wash component to it as well. Vibes and pheromones. Yeah, get Make the, sure drop that during Valentine's Vibes Day. Vibes and pheromones. You know, she said it here first, folks. So if you steal it, we know. I, I didn't. I didn't up, create right? the idea of vibes and pheromones, but I, you know, I think vibes and pheromones are, you know, when they're like, "Why is your boyfriend ugly?" I don't. I, I, um, I'm like vibes and pheromones. You know, I mean, that's what. <laughs> Sounds like every conversation every woman I've ever dated has had with a friend. So thank you. Your, your only response to that should be, why are you checking out my boyfriend, huh? <laughs> is your boyfriend ugly? Vibes and pheromones is the reason. Um, all right. So sorry, I went on a, a tangent. How, how, but... how dare you be entertaining on a podcast? How dare you, Jessica Brodkin? Stick to the set list, please. <sighs> I spent um, hours working on this fake script. So, um, the so, and any holder can see a free on uh, comedy shows any weekend in New York City for free, and that's standing um, at New York Comedy Club um, certain times and uh, comic strip live, which are like two like historic amazing comedy clubs in New York City. So that is something that is standing. And um, the other things are, we've, so that is every single week. And then online I do Reiki. So my day job is I'm a healer and um, which is a weird thing. It's like, hi, my day job is like the weirdest thing ever. Uh, I'm a public witch. And, um, and basically, so I'm, yeah. So I'm a healer and I do Reiki over Zoom and over the phone and over Discord. So. That, those are the ones that are, that seem to be, we had a really amazing event this summer at the Williamsburg Hotel roof deck and it was gorgeous. Um, was that for NFT holders? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, de tell us so, about like, that. And then that, I want to ask was, about- That was like a promotion. Yeah, we had like Cabana and like tequila and it was like really <sighs> great. So it was beautiful. It was in the summer, it was in the summer uh, Williamsburg roof deck hotel. Okay, so it's for NFT holders. Was it a Reiki healing session or was it just like no, a mixer? Just a party, or? just party. Just, Ooh. We don't do and tequila. A... Tequila and Reiki does, don't really go together. That's what I was about to say. Is that <laughs> about, hey. I, I feel like there's drink. a story there to where like... that use case came from. <laughs> you, you could create a new branch of Reiki with, <laughs> with tequila. No, you know what would work with, what works with Reiki is psychedelics, mm -hmm. um, but I don't administer those. Sure. Um, too many. Uh, make a note of that. 
<laughs> but that, I'm like, if you want to mix substances with Reiki, I would recommend like a healing substance. Sure, sure. Um, I'm I'm interested in you have the the NFT gets people free admission into the stand up comedy clubs that you mentioned, two famous ones in New York. Yeah. What was was it easy to onboard them to that? Were they just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. If people just show us this stuff on their phone, we'll let them in. Or were they asking you like, what are NFTs? Or like, was it? Did you get pushback because there? I see a you lot of comedy club? use cases for that. Yeah. Um, it was easy. <laughs> because uh, my business partner is one of the top produce comedy producers in New York City. Ah, okay. That so definitely he helps. has been working, he's been producing for them for like 12 years. Mm -hmm. And he can just like put up more shows whenever he wants. So really we haven't, I mean, he's a comedian. Mm -hmm. I am too. So I have like seven jobs and, um, uh, but he's, he does stand up more often than I do. I'm trying to like balance everything and figure it out and all the stuff. Yeah. And now are these shows where people get admission, are you doing the stand-up there or is it just shows at predetermined times that sometimes it's a showcase, some, it's obviously stuff that he produces, I'm guessing, yeah. or is it like, is the benefit that like you're on all these shows? So not only I do people- I am not on all of the shows. Okay. Gotcha. I am on some of the shows, some of the times. I can be on all the shows, but I don't have it. I, I'm, I'm like, Ugh. no. Um <laughs> I, I have a question because I've, sure. I know New York, Joseph Rocha, who was a longtime New York comedian, yeah. was a good friend of mine. Yeah. I think I lived with him for a period of time. I would have loved his perspective on the NFT marketplace. How does some of the comics feel when they hear, oh, you got to get an NFT to get into the show? Because when it comes to skepticism of anything, literally anything, shoelaces, Comedians have a very entrenched opinion sometimes that is so wrong, but so compelling that you just say, fuck, fuck it, dude. Just fuck it. Fuck it. Move on to something else. Um, I love this question. I love that you understand comedians. And because my business partner is produces so many shows and is in charge of who's on, nobody's a dick to him. Because he's the boss. Oh, that is <laughs> that is the most New York comedy thing I have heard in a very long no time. No one's going to be mean to him because he'll just, I mean, I'm not saying he will cut them because he's a much more forgiving person than I am. Fair enough. But um, <laughs> I think that's that, that, that doesn't That doesn't read for New York comedy. Kind, wait, kind bookers? No. Uh, no. He, he's just, he's the booker. So they're going to do whatever he says or... They're not going to not support him. I don't know. So they can think whatever they want. There are, I did meet a comic who was like super, super anti-crypto and we That's like right. got into it and then he didn't book me again. And I'm like, your shows are trash. I'm going back to the comic strip live. Like I can perform at like a historic comedy club. I drove to the Bronx because you were giving me 20 minutes. So um, I don't, I mean, I actually like, hearing people's arguments against things. Sure. Because I, then I, I get, to, when I hear objections, I get to um, really understand the opposite view and then like build a better case. So I actually don't mind objections because I'm like, yeah, give me your objections. I just like listen and then I, and I absorb and I validate and I like, like think it through and then it will go boop back. So that's my, I don't know. So Matt, great question, but uh, not an issue for us. 
Well, that well, that's a good <clears throat> and very, very, very understandable answer within the context of what you gave me uh, regarding the New York comedy scene and, and what you're saying. And, and Nathan's going to have a much smarter thing to say than me. But in the same way with how you feel about NFTs, I, I kind of have to construct the same arguments around pro wrestling because the pro wrestling landscape has been stigmatized since the fact sure. everybody knows that it's predetermined. But so many arguments have turned it into let me know why you don't like wrestling. Here's where you're wrong. I will continue to find cultural arguments. I have studied this academically. I will break you as a person. But Nathan, you have something much smarter to say. Well, no, it's not necessarily much smarter, Matt. Usually it's, 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 it when, is. Usually it when is. You were, when you were talking about uh, how you know comedians have a take on everything, but it could you know be a totally wrong take. I, I had to learn as just a, a, a lover of comedy, both of live comedy and watching people's specials and listening to comedy albums. I had to learn a long time ago that I like to appreciate the artist's point of view from a comedian, but that doesn't necessarily equate to the truth. And so- so it, there's like an old joke where it's like, I want to listen to a comedian's take on finance, but I don't want to take financial advice from a comedian. And great, great idea. Yeah, that's kind of what I think about. Great it's idea. Like, I, I love because I mean, comedians are they look at things and they spin them and they make you think about something a different way. And then, of course, laughing is the ultimate bonus on top of it. But I don't necessarily look to comedians in the same way that I would like read some of the great philosophers every so often you do you know like the Carlin right. and the Priors and the things like the things like Hicks. that I'm leaving off oh Hicks definitely I'm leaving off many people but um yeah it's it's there's some there's just some nuance there that you always have to think of and uh I don't know I, I still I still love comedy you have to also do you have to do that with the crypto world too Jessica we've been talking about hype people hype up their projects as revolutions. And that's great for marketing, but there's only a tiny amount of projects that are actually true revolutions. And it's because they're built on foundations. You have to understand the foundations in order to make that claim and not have people just continually dogpile on you. So like you, Jessica, I like hearing the opposite points of view because it either solidifies why I believe something, or it leads me in new directions to where I can say, gosh, I really have been sleeping on this Cardano thing. Why do people like it so much? And you get to build upon that knowledge. I love how you are continuing to plug Cardano shamelessly. I don't know how much Cardano you have, but it's got to be not a non-trivial amount. Not, but I'm also going to check it out. I'm going to check it out. I mean, comedians' job is to be contrarian. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. That's their job. Their job is to be contrarian. Their job is to make you laugh. Their job is not to be honest or truthful. I ideally, they are. But they're usually not that skilled. I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries. And Jessica, it looks like we're coming up against an out here. I just wanted to ask you, do you have one time for one more question here? I guess so. I'm here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not really, but yes. <laughs> it looks like on the roadmap, we didn't get to talk a lot about your roadmap, but it looks like we're going from the citrine to the carnelian mm -hmm. to the labradite phase. Labradorite. Labradorite. I know they're not all named after crystals. I know that much. Ooh, look at you. Yeah, there we go. Look at the big um, brain. On I don't know. I don't know who who turned you out, but somebody <laughs> taught you these. It also helps that I live in Colorado, where all these okay, things are very enough, popular. Yeah. Where are we on the roadmap, and where are you moving to on the roadmap? That's a good way to to kind of plug. Um, we are. Oh, I have to look at the. I have to look at the roadmap. We're in the early stages of the roadmap. 
What I would really love is to make a cartoon. Ooh, that, that would, would be, be interesting. That would be a dream and that would be really great. And that's something my business partner would absolutely kick ass at because he's made cartoons and he has that skill and he's an animator and we know so many comics and we know so many good writers. So I think that the cartoon is probably my favorite part of the roadmap. It's the most exciting one. Gotcha. I also, um, I also am thinking about separately building a metaverse, um, metaverse planet gamifying climate change technique stuff. That would be cool. We would love to chat about that, but Jessica, we know that you have got to go here. Thank yeah. you for chatting with us about everything mystical muses, uh, getting into being a lady NFT creator, why you created mystical muses, the importance of seven. And I'm going to plug it for the last time. As a wild woman, you're going to want to check out the Cardano NFT. <laughs> I don't even have that much Thank Cardano. Thank you for seeing me for who I am. Thank you for seeing I, me. For I really should just, I, I should just work for Cardano. I think Cardano point. should definitely pay you. I think you should change his name to Carl Dono, but that's a different conversation for a different time. Jessica Brodkin from Mystical Muses. You can find out the information on how to follow, how to buy, most importantly, Mystical Muses NFTs in the show notes. If you like what you heard, rate, review, and subscribe. If you like what you saw, please like, comment, share, ring the notification bell so you know when new episodes of the BitMart Brain Trust or all 900, 367,000 podcasts we do here at BitMart drop. And as always, Nathan Simone, thank you so much. We'll have Kalichi eBay next week and Jessica Brodkin. It was an honor and a pleasure to talk to you again. Hopefully this is not the last time we get to speak to you, but this is the end of the show. So here's the part that everybody loves, Nathan talking all that legal stuff. Hello to everybody out there in crypto land. Did you enjoy that conversation? I know that I did. It's always interesting to learn more about crypto projects, NFTs, and what is going on in this very unique industry. But now, we've got to get some legal stuff out of the way, all right? It's just the way that it is. So, I wanted to let you know that all opinions and actions expressed and undertaken by the hosts and guests are individual opinions and actions and do not reflect the views and actions of BitMart. BitMart does not guarantee the accuracy applicability, reliability, integrity, performance, completeness, or appropriateness of this content. The value of digital currencies can go up or down, and there can be a substantial risk in buying, selling, holding, or investing in digital currencies. You should carefully consider whether trading or holding digital currencies is suitable for you based on your personal investment objectives, financial circumstances, and risk tolerance. BitMart does not provide investment, tax, or legal advice. Use of BitMart services is entirely at your own risk.